0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is your host, James B. Friel. I am super excited that you guys are here with us today. We have a topic and an amazing guest talking about something that is incredibly near and dear to my heart. And we're going to get to Jason in just a second. But as you guys know, I host this show with the one, the only, the bearded wonder from the United Kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, riding into the studio on his white noble steed, Mr. Dean Holland. Yes, we are back. How are you doing, James? (laughs) I'm excellent. How is your noble steed today?
1: The steed is good. A little tired because it's been raining quite heavy here in the UK, so we had to take a little swim to get to the office for the podcast today, so it was a little tougher, but we're good.
0: Well, I'm glad you have that reliable mode of transportation. Otherwise, we might not even be enjoying your presence on this episode today.
1: Exactly, and I know you can't function without me.
0: Well, there's certain things that you believe to be true. And I don't think that should be one of them. But (laughs) but in seriousness, it's really great to be here with you. And I'm thrilled to welcome our guest to the show, who's just an expert in team culture, team development, and all things related to building a, a team for your business where everybody likes each other, everybody enjoys working with each other, and focuses on creating great outcomes and results. Jason True, welcome to the show. It's great to have you, man.
2: Well, thanks for having me on the show and meeting the wonderful Steed as well. So I didn't think there was a foursome, but apparently there is. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought that would be really cool if, if the Steed actually spoke, then that would be a really unique podcast.
0: It's interesting because the Steed doesn't normally say very much. But it's just, it's really just like how Dean gets into the show.
1: Well, in two years of doing the podcast, we've never approached the idea that maybe I am the steed. Maybe uh, Dean's actually sat in the corner of the room over there waiting to give me a ride home.
0: (laughs) So you're telling me that I'm not actually speaking with Dean, I'm speaking to the steed?
1: (laughs) Possibly. We'll leave it open. Who knows? It's a mystery.
0: Well, I don't know. I guess we don't know. It's a podcast, so we can't see what's going on. We can only use our imaginations and make our best guess. You got it. <laughs> yeah. So Jason, you have worked with all different amazing leaders in business, people from like Steve Jobs and Reed Hastings and Mark Cuban and you know, done TEDx talks on how to get coworkers to like each other. And so you're insanely focused on this concept of teams inside of business. And I really want to unpack a bunch of different ideas around that. But can you just start by telling us like where did this passion and this desire and everything that you're into now originate from? Like why this area of focus for you? Well, one of the
2: things is that right, all of my clients and everyone I work with has teams, right? whether they're internal or external. And always the biggest challenge is how do I get the most out of everyone around me to give the business a competitive advantage, whatever that might be. And I think one of the things that brought me back to this originally when I started thinking about this is when I was working in Silicon Valley... I had the opportunity to work on Pixar when Steve Jobs was there. And then when they went back to Apple, I was working in a pretty small agency, and we had an opportunity to pitch to win the business, right? But we were against literally every global agency, largest marketing ones that you could think of. And I mean, I just thought it was pretty much kind of a waste of time, right? I mean, because you're people that are huge and they have unlimited resources and the smartest people and global agencies. And we had none of these things. And we had all young people. And we ended up you know, making this pitch and winning the business against Apple. And when I think about that, I thought about, well, when you have people who care about each other that are invested and are willing to go places other people are not and take huge leaps of faith, really anything is possible, but you got to do it, right? And you have to find those people and cultivate them. And it's those rare moments that we have being on those great teams that bring us the greatest joy, pride and success. And if there was a way to do that on a consistent basis, that really would be unlocking something pretty massive for people.
0: So since then, have you made it a study? Like you've just decided to dive into this, and this was what you wanted to figure out how it worked.
2: Yeah, it was something that probably like about four or five years ago. I really started to look into more and more because I really just found that this was just a reoccurring problem. And then I thought back in my own life, and I thought to myself, you know, my results have always varied depending on the people that I surrounded myself with and my ability to get the most out of them, and how I was able to raise them up, equated to my success, happiness, joy, impact, right purpose, all of those things. And I never really quite thought about it like that. And I thought, well, if I don't do this and figure this out and dive into this, I can't help the people that I'm working with and myself.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. What do you think stops people from even having that realization in the first place? Because I don't feel like a lot of people are as focused on People development and team development and culture as they really should be. Like, what do you think gets in the way of that?
2: Well, I think partly ego that you can do it yourself. Two, that teamwork is something organically that happens, right? It's not strategic and not purposeful. And I think then three, because sometimes there is some absence of data that goes into the inputs, like versus sales or marketing, right? That you can look at some analytics that people just poo-poo and push it aside, right? Or they think it's this amorphous thing. And I probably think the last thing is, we have done a disservice by talking about culture and really not linking it back to data, more science and analytics and other things behind it. And it seems just a little woo-woo when it's really not. And I think that's because a lot of people just don't dig deep enough And I also think we're just probably more on the early side of figuring all of this stuff out, right? It just hasn't been a focus of that many organizations and people. And we don't have someone like Steve Jobs standing up and saying, well, teamwork and collaboration and culture is the most important thing, right? And I think all those things together really make it so people push it to the backside. But people that really understand this... Don't they're putting it more at the forefront?
0: I don't know, maybe it's not obvious, but when you look at any successful venture on any level, there's always a team involved, right?
2: Totally right. And the challenge is, though, how did people do that? How can you take it to the next business, operationalize it, and consistently do it? Because the problem is, like I was talking about failure with some people, and then I read a great article in this publication, First Round. You know, failure is this thing people love talking about now, but only in the past tense after they've been successful. And I feel like teamwork is the same way. We'll talk about it in the past tense, but then you can't really apply it moving forward into the next thing you do as you would an operations or sales plan. There's no teamwork plan or culture plan that you just drop in and get the same results.
0: Well, I guess the ingredients are different each time. So, like, how do you do that? Because that's one of the things that you're focused on. Like, it's one of the things that I work with my clients on is creating that recipe that has all the right mix of those ingredients to create the outcome that, you know, in that analogy tastes really good. So, from your perspective, how have you been operationalizing that? So, the first thing I go back into is trust. Because the key thing
2: is, is the people that you trust the most in your life, you do your greatest work with. And that's how you think about the greatest teams and people on. So what you have to be able to do is really take trust and move it to the highest level with people early on in the relationship. Because that allows you to go places you normally couldn't, or it takes you a long time to build that rapport, safety, and feeling of comfort and other things that you would do with people. So that's the first place I always go with people. And all the data shows that, right? On a scale of one to five and five being like extreme trust and one is extreme distrust, if you don't have everyone at a five that you're working with, right? No matter what's an internal, external team, you can't do your greatest work and get the greatest results out of it, right? A four is basically failing. So just trusting someone isn't enough because that is not enough in the world we live in to take leaps of faith with those people around us, right? You have to have it at that level, right? Same way in your personal life. If you think about it like that, right? If you apply it in business, which is really very similar, you have to get to that place.
0: Which is like, I have a level five trust in Dean's noble steed that brings him into the podcast.
2: <laughs> yeah, of course, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, the show doesn't even happen.
2: No. No. Right? Because the steed will go through water, snow, cold, whatever to <laughs> get in. And you know that will happen. And even
0: ice. Yes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Nothing will stop that steed. So I trust him. Full steed ahead. <laughs> Whereas
1: I personally wouldn't do anything for you, James.
0: Right. Which is why I have to make sure you're on that steed, because you're like I got like a negative five with you. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
1: right. at least. At least.
0: So one of the things that you're hitting on here is that you know trust doesn't happen accidentally. There's a way to create the conditions for success to make that happen. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, because the thing about trust too, as you think about it, is that there's several components of it. And the most important is caring. If you think about it, that there's reliability, sincerity, and competency, and caring are the four ones when you take a look at really all the research behind it, right? And end of the day. If someone's not reliable, doesn't show up, but they know you care about you, well, of course, you're going to put them still in your inner circle. But if someone is reliable and shows up, but doesn't care anything about you, I mean, they're nowhere near your inner circle, right? So the key is that I found is that it's about your ability to show up, be vulnerable, and share your personal experiences, right, and professional experiences with people And essentially get naked with them, right, in person as soon as you can, because then you get to know people and learn about them super fast, right? And we've all done this because you've all met someone in our life within like five or 10 minutes, and we felt like we've known them all our life, right? Something happened to create that conversation. So it's possible all the time. It's just that we don't know how to do it, and we don't do it consistently enough, and we don't do it in groups, which is really the most powerful way to go ahead and do this.
0: You have a great story that you can share about that. Because one of the things that I
2: found when early on as I was looking at it, I found this research by Professor Arthur Aaron that he was doing back in 1997. And I found this because I was trolling around and looking in the New York Times. And I came across this article about a woman who went to a bar and she fell in love. And she asked some guy 36 questions. And I was like, wow, that's gotta be pretty good that if you can go to a bar and ask a guy 36 questions on a first date, like I have to read this to like see what did you do, right? So of course it was almost like clickbait. And then I had to click on the article, of the research, right? And I had to read this. I looked at the end of it, and essentially what they did was they had complete strangers and they were grad students get together and ask each other the same questions she asked this guy over the course of 45 minutes, right? And what happened is, is 30% of the people after that time said they created the closest relationship in their life, which is incredible, right? That's essentially like you can get on your steed after the show, go to a coffee shop, right? And you can go meet three or four people and you walk away with a best friend. Well, that's insanely powerful, right? So what I did was when I read that, I didn't believe it, right? Because I mean, it doesn't matter how many times you replicate it. And then I thought to myself, well, what if you apply this in a group setting on a team level? And I wanted to see this. So I decided to call up a friend of mine, um, who's an acquaintance and have him get together a few people that I didn't know on LinkedIn or Facebook, and just literally ask them some of the questions and go through it and see how powerful it would. And when I did the first time, I thought I was watching a reality TV show. People were sharing things. I could not believe that they would actually say in front of me that I didn't know about messy divorce, about problems they had with their siblings, right? Just other things that I was like, holy cow, right? This is pretty incredible. And then I wanted to leave after I asked the first third of the questions and people literally grabbed me and like, we have to know what the rest of these questions are. And I was really shocked that that was happening And then it led me to do the first time I did this in a business where there was 10 people and it was a small business in Dallas, right? And there were two people that hated each other and they were pretty critical to the operation. I asked a question in the group, right, that I had made up because I just tested this game out that I created. And it was like, what's the biggest loss you've ever had in your life? And one of them said their mom and one of them said their dog, right? And I was like, well, they're not close, but... They created an emotional connection off of that. And they started talking about it as I walked out of the room. And granted, these are two people who hated each other. They talked about it like Superman and kryptonite, right? And they went out to lunch later in the week. And 30 days later, they were social friends. And the business recovered and did much better because they made their relationship better. And everyone around them also benefited from that. And that was something that they didn't think was even possible, then they opened their mind and realized how similar that they were, and all the differences they made were actually made up. And it happened stemming from some argument years ago that they couldn't even barely remember and had to think about it. There was basically almost nothing. And they didn't have that conversation at that point, and they let it go, and the divide get bigger and bigger. And they basically made up all these false narratives that weren't true.
0: That's remarkable. I mean, you know, the end of the day, business is about relationships, but nobody really talks about that, do they?
2: No. And right. And you take a look at the research and I can't remember who did this, but it talked about how startup founders and successful startups failed at 66% because of people problems, not the business problems, right? I can't remember who did this study on that. And so I think it all stems back from interpersonal conflicts and poor communication and not saying things and avoiding hard conversations, right? All of those things that are basic human elements are the divides that pull us apart. And today, people's social communication, emotional skill sets are the lowest in history. So that doesn't help people working together, right? And that is the biggest challenge. It's not the work itself. It's your ability to collaborate and work through tough things.
0: Dean, I'm hogging the microphone here, as per usual, and asking questions.
2: This is definitely your,
1: your wheelhouse of, of awesomeness as well. So I'm, uh, I'm soaking it in from both of you guys.
0: Yeah, this is amazing. So, Jason, you know, the first thing is building this level of trust and being vulnerable and real and authentic with people in groups and on an individual basis. But what's the next step for culture? You know, there's people in my life that I would trust, but I don't necessarily feel like we're working towards a common goal, right? People on a team have to feel that we're on purpose. So, how do you build upon that trust?
2: What I start to do after that with people is the next layer that causes a lot of people problems is the inability to work together because they don't understand how to work together. So what I had people do is create how to work with me manuals. Because one of the problems that happens is when we start working with new people, we try to predict, analyze, and then interact with those people instead of asking them how they like to work with other people. For instance, what are your pet peeves? How do you like to best communicate? How do I approach you to give you tough feedback and have hard conversations, right? When you're in a bad mood, what's the best thing I can do to get you out of it? Because once you share explicit feedback with people, you can integrate new people inside of a team dynamic because the problem is every time you hire someone and onboard them, the team performance automatically goes down because people don't interact with them like all the research shows that so the fastest you can get people up and running and get them comfortable and familiar with each other. So what I'm finding is that really, really extraordinary managers are implementing some version of this. The COO of Stripe actually hands this out to the whole company on how to interact with her. It's like a book. You can do it much simpler by having like a list of maybe 10 questions that you have everyone fill out. And then you can keep it in a central repository, right? So everyone new could actually look at them and check it out and how to interact with new people in the company or in an organization if you have freelancers or whatever, and that's really an easy second step for people to get up and running quickly and avoid a lot of the problems and arguments. Because otherwise, what happens is that you're going to work good with Bob and Sally because they work just like you and they're type A. But what about the other people that aren't like you? You have a hard time because you apply how you want to work to them, which doesn't work.
1: I kind of like this concept for meeting anyone in life. <laughs> I might just carry around some cards with me and start handing them out.
2: Yes, and the cards help you because when you start asking people questions, right? So when I go do the Cards Against Mundanity in a group full of people, what I do is I'll have questions like, tell me about what's the most important lesson you've learned in the last year. If you had to say thank you to one person who helped you become the person that you are, and when you do that in a group, because I do this at conferences and events all the time, and have them go around in a small group and you share this information and maybe three or four more questions, you essentially... Know more about those people than any of their coworkers do. Because I've asked that question. I have them go through like six questions. I ask people, raise your hand. If you'd have one coworker that would know the answers to all six of these questions, right, or whatever I've asked them to do, I have sub 1% of people, and I've spoken to probably 15,000 people this year will answer the question that that's true, right? And that's pretty bad. When someone doesn't know that, or they don't believe that someone would know those answers, anyone they're working with, right? And these are people that work with some of these people who probably work with hundreds of people. And they don't know anyone that knows them. I mean, that's a problem everywhere, right? And also that affects us personally, which is a whole nother show, right? And our ability to communicate. And that's a lot of our problems. But look, think about it on the work level, right? I mean. Think about, you all work great together, because now you communicate, you do this podcast, you have all these, all these conversations, so you can sort of complete each other's sentences because you spent this amount of time because of massive immersion, right? Well, most people don't do anything like that and have this. So that's why they can't work well together. They don't know each other well enough. It's not about the differences between it. It's You find the commonalities, right? You both are really different people, right, if we both look at it but you find the similarities and commonalities because you know how to interact with each other and you feel safe right having banter back and forth and objecting and having controversial conversations and you know getting mad as you know but that's you know that's a huge piece of the equation here and we have to sort of build i would say this foundational element because when you don't then when you get to cultural things like finding meaning in your work and impact, like growth opportunities of learning and doing things. Well, you're not going to do any of those things if the people around you don't care. I mean, those are nice, but still you're going to look at them very transactionally because you're going to think, well, why do I want to stay in this company and there's business, right? Like, do the people really care about me? It's not about the money, right? They looked at all this data right now about perks and people stay places because of two things. It's growth. And it's finding meaning in their work. Those are the two highest things by far, right? And that's data driven. That's not me making it up or saying it. That's the data shows that. Well, like I think Watson Wyatt did this huge study I just read. And that's what they're finding the top things are.
1: Just looking at some of the questions that you've said there, it sounds like obviously in that kind of group environment that the members within the team are sort of getting to know each other more sort of, I don't know, on a personal level as, as well as in the work environment. Would you say like the reason people often in team environments don't connect at that sort of level is because they seem to have a separation between them as a, on a personal level and them in, in like a work environment, if that makes sense?
2: No, totally, right? Because I don't know you. And the problem is, is that, for instance, we take you all, right? You've had conversations about all these things professionally and personally, right? And that helps you get to know each other significantly better. The problem is in most companies that unless you don't have a freak occurrence or something comes up that will spark that conversation, people just aren't having it. And they're having things at a very surface level. And they're not really looking at the roots of a person and who they are and what makes them up and their critical experiences and all of those things. That those are the most important elements. So you have to find a way to operationalize it and start those conversations and do it really quickly because people don't have time. And do it in a way where you can learn a lot in a short period of time, and then people that are willing to open up and share and feel safe.
0: so building on doing it quickly because people don't have a lot of time. and going back to the very earliest things we talked about in this conversation was like, oh, you know it's kind of on the back burner because there's not a lot of statistics around, there's not a lot of numbers around. So because of that, people are like, oh, we we'll just get to that or it's like the special event that has to happen every once in a while or something like that. How do you just weave this into the fiber of a team and into an organization so that people actually start to recognize the benefits of this and start seeing the results for themselves?
2: Yeah, well, I just told people to think about the greatest team they've ever been on personally and professionally, right? And what they accomplished, how they felt, how they communicated. And wouldn't it be great if you could replicate that with this team and every team that you're on? Well, the only way you can do that is by opening up and sharing and getting to know the people around you. That's the fastest way, or you can do it the super slow way, right? Like every other team you've been on, what would you rather be on? Everyone says, well, I'd rather be on the team that I loved being on, that I felt like I was doing my greatest work or I had the greatest experiences. And I'm like, okay, well then try this exercise. What do you have to lose? And then everyone says yes, right? And then I get people in a group and then they start talking and they can't stop and they don't want to. And they get mad when I do it in conferences or events or in workshops. (laughs) I tell them to stop because they're like, and they usually keep talking and I have to say like three or four times, we have to come back together. We have to come back together, right? Before they'll stop because we all, we don't get to share and be ourselves, and have these conversations very often with other people. And introverts really love it even more because they want to have these conversations and don't know how to do it.
0: Right. Yeah. Interesting. So you came up with a game for helping people build their teams and build their cultures called Cards Against Mundanity. Like, What exactly is that? Well, it's essentially what it is, what we've been talking about, right? It's a way to get to know people
2: and build trust, communication, and teamwork in minutes. And it's based on Professor Arthur Aaron's research of really getting to know people super well. So what it is, is you just have questions, right? And I have a lot of them I made up and I've tested out and you just start and one person starts answering the question. Everyone answers the same question. And if you're doing in the business, The person who's the most senior, owns the business, they start off, right, because then it shows everyone it's safe to do it. And you just keep going around and, you know, within six or eight questions of sharing in a group, you can have some pretty magical things happen. And what's really interesting is I did it at Google for six or 700 people. And I did them all these small groups. And what was amazing to me when I first did this, because I had never done it at that point in that large of a group, was it will spread across everyone as though they were in your group. So they start treating everyone the same, as long as they know they participated in it, right? And the other interesting thing was that I split the teams up into rooms. And in one group, the person who brought me in started to tear up and cry. And everyone in the room within a few minutes did. So it was interesting to see how emotion spread. And they all had bandy together and it was pretty amazing to see the results. Like, and this was an international group of people, right, from all over the world that had done this and they were pretty skeptical hearing about this, but they weren't afterwards.
0: So we knew that you know we were gonna have you on the show, and my operations manager inside my business was like, why don't we try this out for a little while and see what it's like? So we actually started taking some of those questions and having them at the beginning. Of our weekly team meeting. Yeah. And like I'm just gonna tell you, it's been a ton of fun. Everybody's been enjoying it. And it certainly has caused everybody to connect at a deeper level. It's just really cool. Like I think the one question we asked earlier this week was, what's your favorite book of all time? You know, I took notes and I was like, man, I didn't know this about these people. And they didn't, they probably didn't know it about me. So I think there's a tremendous amount of value in that.
2: And the thing about it is is that all that experience is compounds. So your better understanding of them allows you to work better with them but without even thinking. And it opens you up to listen to them more, to compromise, to take leaps of faith, right? To reconcile quicker, to not be like as mean-spirited at one point if you get mad at them, like all these things right in the back of your head because you feel a lot more comfortable because you know them and you're starting to learn more about them. That is the powerful thing about this. And it doesn't take any work after you ask the question because your brain makes all these causal connections and puts all these things together.
1: Mm. Just a quick question. What I'd love to know then is like, how's the, uh, and maybe there's just a simple answer to this, like, but how do you introduce this to your team? Like if you've never approached doing anything like this, how would you approach that? Is it like, I want everyone to get to know each other better. I've got an exercise or an idea or like, how does that approach come around?
2: I think in different situations, I would tell people just in general, I'd say, look, we are a team and we need to do our greatest work together. And I want to get to know all of you better so I can work with you better and you'll be able to work with each other better. And so I have a fun exercise and a game that we can play together that will really do that really quickly. And you're going to have a lot of fun and you're going to enjoy it. And you're get to know the people here better than you know anyone else. How would you like to give it a shot? And everyone always says yes, because no one wants to miss out on a fun game. And you're saying, Hey, it's cards against mundanity. Well, you ever heard of cards against humanity? And most people will say yes. And I'm like, well, this is a fun little twist on it. Wouldn't you like to find out all about it? Right. And so then, They'll take the leap of faith and they'll do it because they want to know. And then when they start doing it, they won't be able to shut up. And you can mix up the questions however you want. And also the point of this is, is once you start doing this as a manager and a leader, it opens up a myriad of other things that you can do, right? This is just a tool to show you, right? And the other part of this is this shows you what the top 1% sales and business development people do really quickly with people and what they're able to do because they can build that rapport and trust really fast. And when I give this to them, they're like, this is exactly what we do. When we're meeting with people, we just can't tell other people because our brain works in a way that I can't translate it to someone else but you're getting to the same place I'm getting. It's a different route, but it's the same endpoint. In the same way with teamwork, once you understand this, you're like, well, then you're searching out other things that can help the team, and then that helps you build a major competitive advantage, right? Because I said before, like, you could have a team of three, four, or five people that can easily beat people and businesses of 50 or 100 or 500. You all know this and have seen this too, and like we all have, right? Well, the key thing is how do I take a bunch of people together and get them to do work that other people can't and make it a major competitive advantage. Well, that's how, is putting smart people together and being able to riff off each other and do things that
0: most people could never do.
1: Yeah, no, that's awesome. No, I'm excited to give it a try. Interesting to hear that you've already been doing that, James.
0: Well, I'm always a step ahead of you, Dean. You shouldn't be that surprised. That's true. That's true. I'll let you have that one.
1: (laughs)
2: Except when he's on a steed, then he's a step ahead of you.
0: No, he's a lot. Of, he's way, way ahead of me. I don't even have a steed. I'm like, I'm still walking on my own two feet. It's like complete bullshit. <laughs> I need to get my own steed. You need to get some animal now too, or something to ride in on, or something. I would feel like such a copycat if it were a horse, though. <laughs> I need something different. You something else. Maybe it's a bird.
1: You can get like an actual donkey or something. Just a <laughs> slow, three-legged donkey. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm gonna get one of those things from Avatar. I don't remember what they're called. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll like, I'll totally beat your steed. Take your steed and shove it <laughs> up your ass, Dean. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jason, this is such an important topic, and I'm so grateful that you've been here on the show with us. I think that every single person who's listening, and I'm rereading Principles by Ray Dalio right now, which I think is one of the greatest books ever written. And you know, he summarized like the purpose for his life is to do meaningful work and have meaningful relationships. I don't think you can have one without the other.
2: And he has radical honesty, right? And the point when you hear him talk, again, what he's doing in many ways is getting to the heart of what we're talking about today. He's doing his company a little bit differently, but it's still getting to the same roots.
0: Yeah, 100%. It is about getting those roots and making sure that the conditions for success are really there. And so I love what you're doing. You know, if people want to engage with you or get the game or whatever, how can they do that?
2: Yeah, they can go to my website. It's jasontreu.com. It's jasontreu.com or you can go to cards against too and download the game, and there's a free version of it, and then there's a one you can actually get physical cards from
0: as well. That's awesome. Dean, do you have anything else you want to share or discuss before we wrap up today?
1: Thanks to Jason. I think it's definitely planted some great seeds in my mind. And in all honesty, like confession, like as you've been talking, one of the things I've been thinking is like, there are certain members on my team where I'm like, I don't actually know a whole lot about you on, (laughs) on, you know, outside of these four walls. So, you know, it definitely highlights for me where things can be better. And I'm looking forward to, you know, taking hold of some of what you've said here and putting that in practice. So thank you.
2: Yeah, and you'll find if you do it, you'll see immediate results out of it and the expression on people and what they do and their energy will immediately change because it's showing that you care, right? And that's what we all know has a significant effect on other people. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Brilliant. So for those of you guys who want to find out more about what Jason's up to, make sure you go to jasontrue.com, T-R-E-U. Or if you want to just get the game that he's talking about that we've been using in in our business and finding tremendous value and success from, go to CardsAgainstMundanity.com. Jason, once again, thank you so much for being here, man. Really appreciate it. Also, Dean, I don't know if you noticed, Jason was almost like a therapist between us. He wouldn't even let us come to odds with each other today. I thought that was kind of interesting.
1: Right. Yeah, I kind of throw it in there. Like, I don't like James. And it just kept getting smoothed over. And it's like, ugh. I, even this show, feel like I feel like I like you a little bit now. Not a
0: lot. But. Yeah, that's right. That's the power of what Jason's talking about. He even got Dean and I to come to agreement on, right. on things. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, thank you again, Jason. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you being here. Make sure you subscribe, tell your friends and your family about us, and we will talk with you guys next time. Later, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipsshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to go from being a hustling entrepreneur to an effective CEO, capable of running your company without being stuck in the day-to-day, visit me for free training and resources at jamesbeefreel.com. Our theme music is Happy, Happy Game Show by Kevin MacLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.